Welcome to The Boilerplate, a go-to-market podcast by Inferno. We are a full-service advertising, public relations, digital marketing, and design firm based in Memphis, Tennessee. We're going to be discussing the ins and outs of solving the toughest go-to-market challenges using branding, public relations, social media, digital strategies, traditional marketing, and just plain all common sense when it comes to go-to-market. Beth, you know, we talk a lot about stories and about how a business should find their story they should find the best way to tell that. And that's the whole purpose of PR is to to get that message out there to help people connect with your story. I think one type of business that really just has great stories baked into it are nonprofits. I mean, they are really out there helping people. They usually have a really focused mission, a statement that they can really get behind. They have people that they've helped so they can collect these stories and use them to, to tell other people what they do. And so I think I'm really excited about our guest today because he's going to be speaking that to that a little bit. Sure. And the guest that we have today is from Kindred Place. And this organization is dedicated to ending family violence. The work that they do specifically in Memphis is extremely important, but also the work that they do, it extends well beyond the borders of our community. And it's really impactful. And the work that they do, again, is extremely important. And, you know, you alluded to this just a moment ago about what how important public relations is, but specifically when it comes to nonprofits. And, you know, some people think that it, you know, is completely different or you should go about it in a different way. And really, it's just the same as you would go about PR when it comes to a corporation. So it starts with the strategy. Create that strategy and align it to your audience. You want to maximize content marketing and social media and use the, use those tactics to engage and inspire your audience, whether that's donors, whether that's the people who need your services, whether that's referral sources, partners, whoever that may be. Um, you need to know and understand how to frame, target, and promote your organization's news, the great work that you're doing. You need to capitalize on that. You need to be persistent and build loyalty among your donors. Again, donor engagement is huge when it comes to nonprofit, both current donors and prospective donors. And you need to monitor and measure your efforts because what gets measured gets done, and that's really important. And ultimately, to do good work, you need to communicate well. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, we'll get into this a little bit, but a lot of that is not just jumping on the things that people expect you to be on. It's not just being on a platform because you're supposed to be on it, which our guests will get into that today. So everybody uh, get ready. Our guest today is passionate about what she does, about the work that Kindred Place does. She's brilliant, and we're really excited. We hope you guys enjoy this episode of The Boilerplate. Today we're here with Jennifer Bowling. She's the executive director of Kindred Place, formerly the Exchange Club Family Center. Prior to taking on this role a few years ago, she was the vice president of donor relations for Lifeblood. And before that, she was a special projects advisor to former Mayor A.C. Wharton and co-founded the Shelby County Books from Birth program. She has more than 30 years experience in nonprofit, fundraising, public affairs, and marketing. She also received a Bachelor of Arts in Art and Archaeology from Princeton University. Wow. And in her spare time, she's quite the gifted artist. I can attest to that. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. So happy to have you here. Um, so tell us a little bit about Kindred Place and um, just a little bit about what the mission is of the organization and who you serve. Kindred Place is a new name for an agency that people have known as the Exchange Club Family Center for 35 years. We're 35 years old next year. And it is um, 
a place that a lot of people have heard of because they drive by Union Avenue and they see the sign that's Exchange Club Family Center and they think, huh, wonder what that is, and then they keep driving. Um, we work with families who live with violence in their homes to help violence not become the normal way that they interact with one another. So to help people express their feelings and resolve conflict without violence in a peaceful way that is kindred and kindred in our community. Kindred uh, is such a beautiful word, isn't it? It is. Lovely word. Uh, Our kin and our kinfolk and our kindred spirits. Um, So kindred is a word that we hope will be meaningful to everybody who drives by and comes in and comes to see us. Very good. That's great. So, you know, you guys switched to Kindred recently. You were the Exchange Club Family Center. What drove that decision to to rebrand, and what was that process like? You know, it's a um, for many years we we the story went like this. So we're going to do a, a, a conference talk about our work, right? So we're the Exchange Club Family Center, and we would explain first of all that we were founded by local exchange clubs, which like Kiwanis and Lions Clubs and. Rotary are are civic service groups, and they raised money 35 years ago to establish a place where parents could learn how to raise their kids um, in peaceful, nurturing, nonviolent ways, nonviolent discipline. So exchange clubs all over the country started little family centers in other places, and we would explain that history and then go on to talk about our work, the work that we do with therapy and education for adults and children um, to help in their relationships. So, so blah, 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 words, 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 right? So by the time people would hear that story, they'd, be, they'd have moved on to other things. And so <laughs> what we were hoping is that we could reintroduce our work with a word that describes what we are instead of what we aren't. So we've never been an exchange club. We are not an exchange club. The exchange clubs raised money to help start us, and they continue to support us, but, um, but we've never been that. And so when you start off with your fundraising pitch telling people what you're not, they, they kind of tune out pretty fast. So Kindred Place is a way for us to talk about what we are and how we help facilitate healthy relationships and people expressing their feelings to become kindred in their homes and in their neighborhoods and all across our community. So the rebrand was really um, to help us connect with people in a way that is what? Kindred. Kindred, right. Yeah. Well, and too, you know, you've explained this in the past, but, you know, the whole idea of exchange is totally, it's it's just not, it, again, it's not what you are, it's not what you do. So it was, it, it was very, very important to go through this exercise and also to ensure that, you know, what, what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're pushing out there and the name that it represents is truly representative of, of what you do. Right. And, you know, there's a couple things. And we tried really hard because anyone who's in marketing or branding or public relations or advertising knows it is really hard to change a name. It's hard to change behavior, you know, uh, in, in, for any of us, for uh, any of the folks who grew up in Memphis, like I did, who still drive by on Parkway and think South, no roads, roads, not Southwestern roads. Yeah. So if you've got that little lingering, um, you know, word in your vocabulary, University of Memphis, Memphis State, same kind of thing. It's hard to change a name. So we thought for a long time how we might make the word exchange work. People exchange behaviors, you know, behaviors that they don't want for behaviors that they do want. They exchange a past that um, is fraught for a future that is peaceful. So how could we use that word in a way that might be meaningful about how we, who we are? 
And we have, so we have both children and adults who come to our place, and um, some of our families are Spanish-speaking. We had a family come to us, and the child was standing on Union Avenue and didn't want to come in the front door. We, like, throw down um, emotional breakdown on the street because she could read English. Her mother could not, and she saw the sign, and she did not want to be exchanged for another family. Even though terrible things had happened in her home, she did not. She loved her family and wanted to stay with them and thought if she came in the door that she would be exchanged to somebody else. And, and you know, that wasn't a common occurrence, but for that to happen even once, to, to traumatize somebody who's already traumatized is wrong Absolutely. so it's the wrong yeah, message it's, it's not a, it's not very kindred no. and so uh you know our our uh, our clinicians we have a, a team of about 30 um, counselors and social workers and when we rolled out the new name and brand they they all said wow the word found us that's who we are that's what we do here so we uh, we are really we're pleased with that okay. that's great anytime you change names like that it's a bold move like yeah. you said it can be confusing for people what I like about it is you mentioned earlier about how when you guys would go to these conferences and tell your story, there's so much of this buildup just to explain the name and explain who you were. Um, I think in PR, a, a big part of it is telling your story, but telling it well, telling it in a way that is powerful to people and inspires them. And so the fact that you guys had to get through this other thing that made them tune out and you've really kind of narrowed that story in and focused it more on what you do and what you offer in the community, I think that's great. It's exciting. It's exciting. It will be, um, it's a lot of work, but nonprofits are always work, That's right? right. PR is always work. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, along those lines, why do you feel that public relations or in, engaging in PR is so crucial for a nonprofit? That is uh, such a great question to <laughs> ask, you know, having a, having a background in public relations. Um, it's, it's, it's a near and dear practice to my heart for the the kinds of things that you do to connect any organization with people through stories, through events, through things where we get to see one another and talk to one another and do things more than just billboards and and one-way broadcast. You know, PR is really um, an interactive, kindred kind of uh, practice. So it, it matches us in a number of ways, but mostly that as a uh, community-oriented enterprise or effort to get people to connect with one another in their families and with their neighbors and and with the people who are near and dear to them, Um, the kinds of things that you can do through public relations is just a good fit for us as a primary marketing strategy. So it's certainly important with a brand that you have things to promote the brand and show the brand. And so traditional advertising kind of um, tactics will be a portion of this too, but um, the stories are really who we are and, and what we do. So you can look at a mark or look at a name and and wonder about it and be curious, um, but to make it come alive, PR is really the way to go. And thinking about what PR really is, it's about storytelling. It's about telling your story and connecting people with your story. So that's exactly what you've described. That's exactly what we're trying to do with the PR that we do for Kindred Place for any nonprofit. So I think that that's really important. And, and two, it, it's also important. I mean, just like a corporation, just like any business, you know, it starts with a strategy. So 
ensuring that, you know, we're on the same page in terms of, okay, here is our overall mission. Here are our overall business goals for the next year. And here is why we're going after this specific strategy in terms of public relations. And then these are the tactics that support it. So I think it's really important to, you know, going back to that, you know, connecting with people, making sure that that's a true part of the strategy and making sure that we are aligned in that sense when it comes to all of our efforts. I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. And, and to make sure that, not to make sure, that sounds wonk, 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 uh, <laughs> to connect in this way. And I think often for nonprofits in particular, it, it's easy to uh, think of us and them. So the people who support the work financially or um, are through gifts and other kinds of involvement, and the people who receive services. And that separation um, is, a, is a separation. It's a gap. The work that we do cuts across all economic, racial, ethnic, neighborhood boundaries. There is, there is no home and no neighborhood and no community that is free at the moment, unfortunately, from having violence in the home. So we know that it affects people who have resources, people who don't have resources, people with education, people without education. So for us all to live in a way that is kindred and without boundaries and those kinds of distinctions um, is something that we think about a lot. And, And in public relations, telling the stories about different kinds of people who look just like you or just like me or just like our neighbors or just like the people that we know and care about and connecting those stories in a personal way um, makes the mission real. And you bring up such a good point about education. You know, it's it's really important, you know, for what we're doing with this, with the storytelling aspect that we are educating the public, the community about what it is that we're doing, what it is that we're, how we're making a difference, how we're connecting people. And that not only does that entice people to get involved, but it, it, it makes people connect with you on a deeper level because it shows that you are truly making a difference and why that difference is so needed in, in every community, not just here, but in every community. In every community, every neighborhood. You know, it's interesting. Um, when you take on new work, I know you have uh, have done this before, and you take on something new and you're kind of feeling your way around and getting to know things, one of the things that you do is talk to your own personal network, right? Let people know what you're doing and connect. In the past two and a half years, one of the things that's been humbling, actually, the only word I can think of is how many people I have known for a long time and known in different ways have, sh- have suddenly felt um, an, open, an opening to share stories or experiences or things that were very personal, that related to their family relations or people that they knew that we would not have talked about, and, and sometimes that they have kept to themselves and not really known that that was something they could share or could find a place to talk about or that they could help someone that they know who lives in a relationship that is marked by aggression and violence and they didn't know how to help or what to do. And so it's it's the small things about um, talking about our work and talking about the um, that we're here that opens up that door. I think that's really interesting. You know, typically when we talk about PR so far in the podcast, when we've talked about it, it's been really focused on businesses. And so, I mean, the end goals for that are going to be like raising revenue and increasing your audience size and things like that. But I think um, it's really interesting that, you know, PR, when focused on a nonprofit, they're just different missions. Like you said, like opening up just in small ways, like really affecting people's lives and changing that, 
you know, you've worked at Lifeblood as well. You've also worked in the public sector with the mayor's office. Um, how do you see public reaction relations kind of evolving differently in different spaces like that? Well, so, so you mentioned that I've been doing this work for a while. Before I did those things that you listed, I worked in telecommunications and in the for-profit world. And so I think a lot about something you just said, that in the in the for-profit world, we think about revenues and customers and, and growing market segments. And, and sometimes we think of the nonprofit sector, the philanthropic sector, as separate from that. It's really not separate or different at all, because the Looking at a return on invest, looking at investing in the community and a return on investment is the same proposition whether you're in a business or in um, the public sector serving the community or in the nonprofit sector. So we we are alike in more ways than we are different. We are different though in the, you know, we don't have a product, a widget that we package or sell, and so um, there are some obvious differences there. The way we tell stories, and if you look at, at corporate stories, for-profit stories, storytelling has been a movement over the past 20 years that more people realize that that's a way to engage with customers who spend money. It's a way to engage with customers who support um, missions financially similarly. So I think there's a lot of crossover in those um, that we sometimes forget about. The, the way that it has evolved in the past, I don't know, 10 or 15 years in particular, with the addition of social media and and instant messaging and communicating by text, and you know we we short circuit longer conversations um, that can get deep into a story, and so we're looking for the little you know, sound bites and clips for things. Um, that's true across both the for-profit and the not-for-profit sectors, and in some ways that's helpful because we have a, a quicker bigger way to share a message, but the part that's a challenge is stories sometimes take a minute to tell and to, and to get into. So, you know, if you think about, um, the serial podcast or other things that, you know, you, 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 wasn't that a great way to tell a story over a long period of time? And I think that that, um, so if you think about building an audience and building people who are invested in a story or invested in learning, um, that's a, that's a goal we all share. When it comes to, um, you know, promoting the work that you do and um, thinking about strategies that have worked or tactics that have worked, you know, we've talked a good bit about, you know, well, we've talked a little bit, I guess, about content marketing and social media and things like that. Are there initiatives that you feel like maybe you know, we've done or that, you know, the organization has executed that you feel like didn't work? And what are some, some challenges that you feel like um, the organization has been faced with when it comes to just promoting the work that you do? And how have you overcome those? It's, it's easy um, to go for stuff that looks cute, right? So we want, this is what we're just was just thinking about, you know, super quick hits and short messages. It's, it's easy to go for something that is on trend or on, um, on point for what you think is current. And, and one of the things that is a challenge in getting into a new place to work is really figuring out the essence of that work and not jumping too quickly um, at flashy events or activities, but really doing something meaningful. So some things that we have done in the past couple of years that I think are trying to 
match, make our work match somebody else's calendar. So months that are designated as recognition months, you know, April's Child Abuse Prevention Month, um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, to, to try and engineer stunts or some, um, you know, internet memes or other mm-hmm. graphics that we create to try and, and capitalize on what's happening around us that we didn't create feels unnatural and and it doesn't really sort of not how we behave and so I think the more that we answer somebody else's timeline somebody else's um, push to get a message out the less we are ourselves so the more we are true to our message and intentional our time and intentional and 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 I think that's a challenge for everybody you know the there's there's so much competition for space and for messaging um, and and it's hard not to feel that mm-hmm. urgency, right? Um, and to take the time and be thoughtful. So, so I would say that's a it's a that's a broad answer to yeah. your question. There aren't really specific things, but you know, don't do it if it's not really who if it's not authentic. Well, I'm thinking too. You know, Kindred Place is not everything to everybody. It wouldn't want to be everything to everyone. So the work that you know we do is is really meaningful. So it makes sense to ensure that the tactics that we execute are meaningful, that everything that you do is intentional and it makes sense for, you know, spreading the word about the the difference that you're making in the community and making sure that it, it is it is kindred and it does make sense for your brand. And and to think about um, you know, I used to work in a you, you know this, I used to work in public relations do. We had a, um, a guy in our Nashville office who worked on some election campaigns and he used to tell the candidates when they were talking uh, into a microphone or looking at a camera to picture one constituent and, and think about the one person who to whom he or she, the candidate, was really speaking. And, and similarly, um, with our public relations, to think about who might be listening or watching or reading for whom that message is going to be the courage that they need to do to make a change, to make a decision, to do something that has a, a positive impact on um, on their life. I like what you just said a minute ago about you know not reaching other people's timelines and not expanding your stories in ways that are not authentic. Um, I think a lot of nonprofits, Kindred Place especially, they just have such a powerful story already. Like you change people's ways and lives that really do make a difference. You're helping families live peacefully. You're helping people learn to work through their aggression to find, you know, healthy ways to love their kids. Um, There's so much power in that. So I think the idea of just really embracing that story and telling it authentically and not, you know, latching on to whatever the kind of flavor of the moment is, um, I think that's a big deal and that's really important. So what, when you're telling that story and you're trying to be authentic, what are some of the more successful channels that you guys, you know, is social media something you work with, or how are you getting that story out to people successfully? The the thing that we are learning as we go through this is that the most, uh, the highest impact way to talk about our work is person to person live, um, either in a presentation, at an event, at a small event, at a table, in an interview, in a um, sitting, you know, with a small group, and having an having a conversation. Social media is hard in that way. Um, you know, and the stories that we tell, it's, um, we don't have client pictures that we can show and and videos. The work that we do is intensely private and, 
um, for safety reasons and security reasons and personal privacy reasons. You know, a lot of folks don't want their stories to be public in that way. So it, it's a challenge to share the stories that are real and also protect that um, protect that privacy. It works better when you're sitting there with a person that you can connect um, some piece of, of our work that we do, something that we, some uh, a technique that we offer in um, conflict resolution or parenting to connect with somebody else's experience. Have you ever felt this way? Or, and, and that's hard to do, you know, on a, in a 140 characters for <laughs> sure, <laughs> right? Uh, we, you know, as the world lives on Twitter, um, that's how I know. I know you live on Twitter. I know. I know. One day, one, I'm actually not. I don't think I'm ever going to live on Twitter. It's it's. I'm too full of words, as anybody would tell you. But um, it it's hard to have meaningful dialogue when you can't look at somebody and figure out the, or, or think about the context. So social media is a part of our strategy, um, but but live events and um, and small groups are more effective. So practically, how do you guys go about organizing those? How do you get in front of people and actually start? having those conversations you know that's something that we are um, that's on our big on our 2019 list so this was a big change to change the name to rebrand to think about the brand um, essence and how we want to bring you know just like in in any entity that's going to rebrand making sure that we get that right the name right the mark right all the materials right the um, content put all that stuff together and then to take our show on the road in 2019 through small events. Um, we, we've talked about doing some um, continuing education, CLEs for attorneys and guidance counselors and folks who are sort of our bridge to the folks who might need us for service. And so how we organize that um, and that calendar is is our PR plan for 2019. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking too along the maybe not so much guerrilla marketing, but almost you know when you think about these roadshows, these educational seminars, you know your team of very skilled, wonderful clinicians, they're already kind of out in the community right now. And that's such a powerful tool that Kindred Place has is that, you know, your team is somewhat remote. You have a lot, there's a lot of legs out there within the community spreading and making such a tremendous impact on the community and the work in which you're doing and the messages that you're sharing, the ways in which you're helping communities resolve conflict without violence. So I think there's a lot more that can be done in terms of, you know, those types of events, whether it's, you know, the educational seminars and making sure that, you know, we're promoting the, the right elements of, of all those whether it's seminars, whatever whatever type of events, I think there's a lot of opportunity right. where that's concerned. When you're trying to get in front of you know the attorneys or the social workers, the guidance counselors, are those mostly through relationships that you already have? Or are you sending them materials, or how do you how do you get that conversation? Started? Yes, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have longstanding relationships with the judges and family law attorneys and school guidance counselors who have known our work for a long time. So the work that we do in anger management for um, for adolescents or for adults, you know, those are programs that we've had for a long time, a a family anger management program that guidance counselors will send us, um, will send send their kids to us because they know what's going to happen. We have been a a trusted partner in that work. Um, Judges and lawyers more often know 
the work that we do with the family aggressors um, than anybody else. And that's, you know, that can be difficult to talk about. We we talk about the trauma-focused therapy that we provide for victims of violence, which is a, a, an important part of healing and being able to have a healthy life going forward. Many times the folks who are family aggressors have a traumatic past that they have not resolved. They were victims in childhood or witnesses to violence in their homes and have grown up with violence as a as the norm. Um, and so when we talk to attorneys, they know that already. They, they know about um, the, that they've sent clients to us and um, and the work that we have done. They don't think about how to tell other people. And so when we get together in small groups, some of it is is re-educating them on how the the, um, classes have changed or how the therapies have changed, but also picking their brains and thinking about who else we might tell or who else they might tell or how we might get the word out in a very grassroots way. You've talked about decriminalizing trauma, so ensuring that that's the message that we're portraying, but also, like you said, picking their brain about what's the best way to disseminate that kind of message. You know, it's the, here, here's the thing that's hard to do on a, uh, on a podcast because you can't see it and the little, you know, things that we'll talk about. So we'll describe this beautiful mark that we have to go with our new beautiful name, a beautiful mark that is, um, is a reference to the, opposing forces that live within all of us. And so the yin and yang inside each one of us and in our community, the, the light and the dark, the positive and the negative, the um, you know joy and um, anger in the same, those, those are all normal things that live within everybody and they live together in a kind of balance that when it gets out of balance, um, sometimes we have the resources and resilience to get it back in balance all by ourselves, you know, each one of us individually. And sometimes it's a place where we need a little, um, can need a little help. And so thinking about not just decriminalizing trauma, although that that is an important piece of it, but also recognizing that each one of us is a complex, complicated person with multiple different factors and keeping that, um, I guess balance is, a, is the, the word I keep coming back mm-hmm. to because that's what it is. Getting that in a healthy balance is something that um, takes some work and that I hope people will come to us to figure out. Okay. Well, what tips would you give to a startup or a new nonprofit that is looking to spread its message? Where would you recommend that they start? And what are a few quick tips to just kind of get going in terms of spreading their message? I think the most important thing that's hard to do when you are ready ready to go out and tell a story or do something is to think first about what your goal is. I mean, it, it... it's it's trite and sounds boring and you know sort of old school. But if you if you don't start with a goal, it's hard to know what you did. It, you know whether or not you got there. So to start with a, a, a really um, clear objective in in what you're trying to accomplish with any tactic, sort of at a high level um, in your strategy, and then specifically at each individual event. So, is it to um, 
to educate, um, so speaking specifically to us, is it to educate people who are our referrals to, for services? So we talked about lawyers and guidance counselors. So that's one piece of our work. A goal is to educate in that community to increase referrals, to talk about the work in ways that help um, people understand how they can support us financially and why that makes a difference. If violence in the community, if, you know, being able to go about your day um, without worrying about the threat of violence is something that's important to you. Investing in a peaceful community, investing in helping people learn how to resolve conflict is something that can happen through supporting our work. So, so that's another message and goal that we might use different tactics um, in getting it out. So, so start with a clear objective. Instead of uh, saying we want to be on Facebook or we want to have a Twitter feed or we want to have uh, you know re really good Instagram um, feed, we want to look really good on Instagram. Oh, super. For what? <laughs> All vanity metrics, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. such a great point. We hear that so much yes. with, I mean, with clients, with people who aren't clients, right? Businesses in general, I, we've got to be on Facebook. Everybody's on Facebook. We've got to be there. But there's no strategy behind it. There's right. no idea of, okay, you're on Facebook, but what are you hoping to get out of that? Right. So I think, yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Creating some sort of audience engagement map is, I think, incredibly important, whether it's you're getting started or you're trying to determine whether or not so-and-so new channel makes the most sense for you, identifying who your different target audiences are. So for Kindred Place, that being your donors, the people who would support you financially, um, the community partners who will you know, be referrals for the services that you offer, as well as the, the clients, the people who you serve day in and day out. So there are three different audience groups right there. So let's let's kind of split those out, segment them, determine what are the message considerations that we should push out to these message to these audience groups. And then from there, what are the appropriate channels to disseminate those messages to those audience groups? So I think you're spot on with making sure that and, you have and, and test the assumptions. Exactly. You know, so so we'll we can sit here at a table and map out all of those things right. and make some decisions. Um, and at some point we might consider asking other folks how that's Is it working? Sounding. Right. Is it working? You'll, you'll see all of the, you know, having metrics in place you mentioned. So vanity metrics, no, but metrics in place to look at um, traditional ways to measure engagement, um, certainly, but also asking. I think the, um, you know, small focus groups and, uh, and conversations are really helpful to get deep into understanding somebody's experience and thoughts about that. And are we changing public opinion? Are, are we having an impact on the community? Really getting, like, d doing a deep dive into that question, I think is important. We had a, a, a here, speaking of testing assumptions, we were preparing how to roll out the new materials and, and sharing it with our staff. We have a couple of bilingual therapists who work primarily with Spanish-speaking families, and as we were taking the materials around, uh, one of them said, this is great because it's mostly visual, and the more words you have that are written in English, the less friendly you are to somebody who doesn't speak English or read English, And so, which is something that we hadn't really thought about in that way. Um, it was sort of abstract up until that point, and this was a very practical consideration for how we would do it. So testing all of the things that we do against all of our audiences matters. Right. Well, and so what are some of the ways you guys gather that metrics? Like, so how do you, or how does Kindred Place measure success for all their PR marketing efforts? 
We, we do we have traditional measures. Certainly we look at engagements on social media um, and are, we're in the process of converting our client information management system um, to, to upgrade that long out-of-date technology so that we can do a better job of tracking referrals. Um, we have, uh, like many nonprofits, we have suffered from hanging on to technology because uh, because it's expensive to upgrade technology. So when I tell people that, so somebody will call and say, well, you just call me back at the number on the screen, and I have to say, well, we don't, we actually don't have caller ID right now. We hope we will, but right now we have a phone system that they don't even make anymore, and we have to buy parts on eBay. So we're in the we're in the process of updating some of those things so that we can test. Which sounds like, um, is it a need to have or a nice to have, right? For us, it's a need to have because being able to um, return phone calls for folks who are expecting that we'll reach them back and to understand where the referrals come from. So going back to your metrics to have technology in place that helps us do that. And, uh, and, and we can learn from what we see. So to take that information and, and do more with that. So social media, um, sort of technology infrastructure for, for phone and um, email interview, email um, connections and referrals. And also um, a much less specific uh, kind of finger to the wind measure of what we're hearing. And so we gather in staff meetings and board meetings and our leadership team meetings and and spend a little bit of time talking about what we are hearing from people. And that is an utterly unscientific way to measure impact. But but it, in my long now experience, it works pretty well because people who feel really strongly, either in a positive or a negative way, about what you're doing will tell you if you listen and if you share those stories. And so we heard many times when we asked about our name, it's confusing, we don't understand it, Do you, like we, uh, we just, it's too confusing and we just walk away. And so what we are listening for as we rebrand is, does this word make sense? Does it match what we do? Is it something that's, that makes people curious and more likely to become engaged? And, and then how do we learn from that and take the story even farther into the community? And looking into, you know, you alluded to this earlier, but looking at your donor profiles, your um, referral profiles, and then making sure that that matches up with how and why you're connecting with the um, with these people in certain ways, and course correcting as needed. Yeah, it's a it's an ongoing process. It's it not is. you know there is no. Uh, and this is something I love about the art. Right. There is no set it and forget That's it. There's right. no, you're, you are never, ever, ever on autopilot. No, we're always testing and course correcting as needed and ensuring that, and you just alluded to this as well, but social listening is so important as well. What are the conversations that are happening? When are they happening? With whom? How, when, and why should we engage in those conversations? And how should our messages be altered to make sure that we are engaging appropriately in those conversations when and where we should. The short story I had um, as I was getting into this work and meeting with some of our past supporters and uh, asking for support and talking about how we needed to raise money for new technology as, as one example. I had lunch with, um, with somebody I've known for a long time who, who listened very patiently to you know the things that we're doing, how it's getting another work. And then I was in the process of asking for help, and, and this person I've known for a long time said, 
but I'm not your donor. And I said, well, of course you are. You've, you've supported us for a long time. And, and the response was, well, I give you a little bit of money at the end of the year, but, but your mission is irrelevant, your model's outdated, and I'm never going to give you money. And, and it was a stunning thing to hear, right, from somebody who was willing to be honest in that way, and it allowed um, to ask some more questions and probe for the misunderstanding that had led to that perception. There is no specific metric or dashboard or thing that captures those individual comments other than just general um, willingness to, to ask and listen and understand and then interpret. So as we continue this work, those kinds of conversations are as important as any other tactic, tactic that we could use. That's what helps us to be meaningful in what we do and intentional in everything that we execute. Yep. Intentional matters. That's right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. This was incredibly inspiring, incredibly insightful, and we greatly appreciate your time and all of your brilliance. Thank you. It's a pleasure working with you. Pleasure working with you, too. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Jennifer Balink today. She had so much valuable stuff to offer. I mean, we talk every week about how important it is to get your story out there, how important it is to be authentic, to find the right channel. And you would think that that looks different for a nonprofit because they have different resources, they have different goals. But really, when it comes to PR, when it comes to getting your message out there, there's so much commonality between all types of businesses. So thank you, Jennifer, for all your insights and just giving us some wisdom today. And if you are someone who is experiencing domestic violence or aggression in the home, know that you have a place to turn to with Kindred Place. Or if you are feeling compelled to give, to donate, to partner with, know that Kindred Place is a great outlet for you to do just those things. And if you need more information or want to learn more about the amazing work that they're doing in the community, visit kindred-place.org. Join us next time. We'll be back with another great guest, and we're excited to share more go-to-market PR insights for you guys.